Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Tasha Radel gives us a recap of the whirlwind that was Super Tuesday. I chat with former American Idol finalist and actress Tamira Gray about the Minnesota debut of the groundbreaking musical she's performing in. And Kevin Falness fills in for Mike Grimm and gets some parting thoughts from former Minnesota Wild goaltender Nicholas Backstrom. But first, the Minnesota DNR announced this week that it has determined the environmental impact statement for the proposed polymet copper nickel mine in northern Minnesota is adequate. It means the project can now move into the permitting process which entails additional scrutiny from other agencies. MNN's Bill Werner has been covering the story. What are both sides saying, Bill? Scott, the backers, of course, are very happy that the project has cleared a significant hurdle. Opponents say potential threats to the environment have been ignored. DNR Commissioner Tom Landwehr at this week's announcement said, The state sets standards for you know, groundwater level contaminants, surface water level contaminants you know, by, by uh, substance and so on. Those standards that are set are intended to protect the public health and the health of the environment. And so what our job is is to uh, go through this environmental review, review process, document that, in fact, the project can meet state standards. And so people should know that by virtue of uh, the, the completion of the document, the finding of adequacy, that those uh, possibilities have been looked at very, very thoroughly and uh, have been determined that the project, if implemented as in the EIS, uh, we will meet state standards. Landwehr adds, This was the largest environmental review process uh, ever undertaken by the Department of Natural Resources. And really a very important part of that was the public involvement that we had in this. We had, as you recall, three uh, public meetings around the supplemental draft EIS, SDEIS. Uh, we had over 4,000 people attending those, those three meetings. Uh, we received over 58,000 individual comments on that supplemental draft EIS. That's DNR Commissioner Tom Landwehr. Governor Mark Dayton says the real decision-making process now begins with a couple dozen federal and state permits necessary for the PolyMet project to move forward. That's where the real environmental review, as far as I'm concerned, is going to take place to determine that this is going to be a project that would be entirely as safe as humanly possible for the environment now and in the years to follow. And furthermore, the company will commit to the the uh, hard currency necessary to guarantee Minnesotans that if something were to go in toward during the life of the project, which is estimated to be about 20 years or thereafter, that uh, that burden will not fall on Minnesota taxpayers. So this uh, this rigor begins now, and uh, we'll proceed from there. I, I remain genuinely undecided. I want to see what the uh, experts determine. PCA, DNR, and uh, outside consultants will bring in. So there's there's a you know, very very important. This is a very important step. Obviously, it's been I believe six years in the making, but it's uh, now the beginning of a process that is not prejudged or, or preordained. What kinds of problems could potentially crop up that would cause you to say no that this project ought not to go forward? Well, now the experts, the, you know, the state experts in terms of the environmental protections, I mean, that's paramount. This project's, you know, got to be assured that it's not going to contaminate uh, the environment in northeastern Minnesota. And I've always, I've always said that sound environmental 
protection and strong economic growth can, can coexist together. And that remains my objective for this project as well. And we need the jobs up there. We need the construction jobs. We need the operating jobs. Uh, but we also need to assure people who live up there and, and all of Minnesotans who, who treasure that, that northeastern Minnesota area of our state that uh, there's going to be, there's not going to be permanent damage done to the waters, the air, the land. And, uh, you know, whether that can be accomplished in the, in the, to the satisfaction of the experts at MPCA and DNR, as well as some of the federal agencies, you know, is, is an open question at this point. That's Governor Mark Dayton. We talked with State Senator Dave Tomasoni from Chisholm, who's a big backer of the PolyMet project. The governor says that he's still genuinely undecided. Uh, does that concern you uh, long term about the prognosis for this project? Uh, no, I think I think he's just being cautious. And uh, the um, the environmental impact statement is is a very comprehensive document, and and the permitting process is going to be uh, based off of what they learned on the on the environmental impact statement and the fact that they took 10 years and they they've gone through a, a real long process and trying to get this done is uh, I, I it's I'm to the point where I, I think they've probably covered every base they can possibly cover and so I'm I'm confident that uh, this this is going to move forward uh, soon. Tomasoni says for people on the Iron Range the PolyMet project it would be uplifting and it would, and it would make make a real lot of people more uh, uh, positive about the future of the Iron Range without a doubt uh, I think there was some good news uh, about the Commerce Department and tariffs on steel, so that also was good news the other day, and I think the President signed some bills that could potentially help in the very near future here. So the, the, the steel issue is, is more about um, stopping the dumping and, and not letting the, the, the cheap uh, steel come into the country, and because uh, we can compete with anybody as long as we're on a, a level playing field, but when the Chinese government is um, subsidizing the, the making of the steel and their, in their steel industry, it, it causes a problem for us over here. And so. Uh, I, I think we got a, probably two good shots of news here, and I think it's going to help the attitude of people on the Iron Ranger immensely. State Senator Dave Tomasoni. For the other side, we talked with Aaron Clems with Friends of the Boundary Waters Wilderness. The governor says that he's genuinely undecided. Senator Tomasoni just told us he's just being cautious. There's tons of data that this is not going to hurt uh, uh, the environment at all. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I take the governor at his word. I, I think that's the first thing. And second of all, I don't think there is a... I think there's a lot of issues in this document that PolyMet uh, hasn't resolved yet, and they are ones that should have been resolved during the environmental review but have been punted into the permitting phase. And I want to give you a few examples. One is that we don't know which direction polluted groundwater will flow. Uh, in the process, tribal scientists and other independent scientists raised the argument that said it would flow into the Boundary Waters Wilderness. Uh, and that issue was not resolved during the environmental review process. They said, we'll deal with that during permitting. They also said, we'll deal with financial assurance during permitting. Uh, and so the amount of money that, and the form that it would take that we would require PolyMet to put out in advance in order to start mining has never been resolved. Um, how we're going to re remediate the 8,000 acres of wetlands that could be drained by PolyMet is also not resolved. They've never put forward a plan for how they'll replace those wetlands or prevent that from happening. And this is kind of a pattern for the DNR. They have chosen not to resolve these issues because they want so desperately to get this document out the door. And so we're here today looking at a document that's not complete because of pressure to get it done. That's Aaron Clems with Friends of the Boundary Waters Wilderness. A lawsuit or lawsuits are likely, and so the controversy over PolyMet continues. Scott? Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this.
Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? I love you! <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Alright. Now pass me the new filter. Why? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Even though Super Tuesday has come and gone, the excitement of the buildup and what happens next remains. MNN's Tasha Radel has this caucus recap. Thank you all so much. What a Super Tuesday! What I have said is that this campaign is not just about electing a president. It is about making a political revolution. We are going to send the message that the party of Lincoln and Reagan and the presidency of the United States will never be held by a con artist. Well, look, I always liked Marco until about a week ago when he decided to go hostile. He decided to become Don Rickles, okay? But Don Rickles has a lot more talent. It has been an exciting week for politics in Minnesota. On Monday, nearly 2,500 Democratic supporters turned out at a Bernie Sanders rally in Minneapolis ahead of Super Tuesday. Minnesota can play a huge, dare I use that word. So I have to change my vocabulary around now. But the truth is, tomorrow is important and key. Chelsea Clinton was in Duluth Monday campaigning for her mother ahead of Super Tuesday. We think Minnesota is important. We think every state is important. Every voter is important. And I'm just going to keep talking to as many people as I can here directly through events or anyone who wants to come up and talk to me in a coffee shop or in the airport to talk about why I so strongly support my mom. And on Super Tuesday, Marco Rubio held a rally in Andover and told supporters we can't elect a con artist like Donald Trump. And by the way, if any state in the country has experience with electing someone who runs on the promise of being some great celebrity, this tough-talking celebrity, well, how did that work out with Jesse Ventura? No, no, let me rephrase that. Jesse Ventura is an embarrassment. But Donald Trump will be an embarrassment to America will be an embarrassment to anyone who supported him. What he will do to our foreign policy will embarrass everyone in this room, anyone who's supporting him now. This can't happen. And if any state knows that, it's Minnesota. Hillary Clinton made a last-minute campaign stop in Minnesota, greeting patrons at a Minneapolis cafe and local market. There's a lot of work, and I'm ready to do that work. I think I am uh, prepared to do all aspects of the job of being president, and I hope people in Minnesota will uh, give me a chance uh, to uh, move forward to the nomination, and I will work really hard for you. Minnesotans turned out in high numbers for Super Tuesday caucuses. Some locations even ran out of seating and others 
election ballots. But that didn't stop the vote. Minnesota actually bucked the national trend supporting Republican Marco Rubio and Democrat Bernie Sanders. This was actually Rubio's first win. Rubio, Minnesota Director Jeff Johnson says, I think it's going to be a three-person race for a while from what it looks like. Johnson says the Minnesota outcome shows Rubio will be strong in the Midwest. Cruz, Minnesota spokesman Brandon Lurch responds on a night when 12 states were in play. Rubio has only a win in Minnesota. That's not the sign of strength that, that he needed. That's a that's really a uh, uh, appealing band-aid off of, uh, off of a sinking ship. Senator Bernie Sanders won a surprising decisive victory over Hillary Clinton in Minnesota, despite some high-profile endorsements from state Democratic leaders, including DFL Party Chair Ken Martin. I don't think it's an embarrassment to anyone. If, whether you support Secretary Clinton or Senator Sanders personally, you can be proud of what happened here in Minnesota tonight. Thousands of Minnesotans came out, many first-time and new participants, to make their voices heard in this process. We don't have a magic wand as chairs or as elected officials. At the end of the day, it's up to the people to speak and, and make their voices heard, and that's what's great about our process. After the dust settled Tuesday night, I caught up with Hamlin University political science professor David Schultz about his take on Super Tuesday results. Well, we bucked the national trend, but I also think it's interesting in a couple ways to look at um, Rubio and Sanders. First, for Sanders, this is a pretty major repudiation of the Democratic leadership in Minnesota because you had anywhere from the governor, the senators, most of the uh, congressional representation, except for Keith Ellison, and really the official sort of endorsement of the Democratic Party of the state really went behind Clinton. And so instead, Sanders wins. And so I think one of the questions in terms of Sanders' victory here is really asking the question regarding to what extent does the leadership in this party really represent the views of, of where many Democrats are. So I think that's first. I think second, in terms of Rubio, um, on one level, not a surprise that he won here in the sense that he put all his eggs in one basket. Trump never campaigned here, never, never showed up to Minnesota. And so I think that speaks to, you know, first Rubio's efforts here, but also I think it's a limited victory for Rubio. He has one victory to show now after approximately 15 states. I'm not sure it gives him the momentum that he thinks it gives him to be able to move on to Ohio and Florida, but at least gives him an opportunity to live for another day. And that's your Super Tuesday recap. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Mr. Delilah, it's time to wake up. 
Mr. Detweiler. How are we doing? Your surgery is over. Oh, it's over? What happened? Hi, Mr. Detweiler. Dr. Newman here. You have a new knee. It went great. You'll be up and around before you know it. And it's all because of you. Uh, what did I do? You were captain of Team Detweiler. You told us everything we needed to know. Your medical history, your allergies and prescription meds. You asked me tons of questions. What your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even asked me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. The Broadway musical If Then makes its Minnesota debut this week at the Orpheum in Minneapolis, and I recently had a delightful conversation with one of the show's multi-talented stars, Tamira Gray. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, where might most of our listeners know you from? Uh, Most of your listeners might remember me from the first season of American Idol uh, many, many, many moons ago. And um, I was fourth runner-up with uh, Kelly Clarkson, Justin Guarini, and Nikki McKibben. And I think what uh, some folks may remember about that first season is uh, your elimination from the show was one of the more shocking moments in the show's history, even though it happened early on. What did that feel like, and then what did you do with that experience, and how did you move on from it? Um, When I was eliminated from American Idol, I kind of, it's strange, because I kind of had a feeling the weekend before that I was going to go home, and I was telling all the producers, "Um, I think this is going to be my last week, and they were like, no, that's not going to happen. And so when I got off, when everyone was shocked, it was a shock to me because in my mind, you know, it's just a, a talent show and somebody has to go home and this is just, you know, my time. Uh, and it couldn't have been a better blessing for me. Um, since being on the show, I've done just about everything that I've wanted to do. I've had an opportunity to do TV and film. I've had an opportunity to put out um a record. I've done Broadway twice. Um, so I've had a really great career since being on the show. And you're also a successful songwriter. I am. Yes, I am a successful songwriter. I always forget that. <laughs> I wrote, um, I co-wrote um, a song with Kelly Clarkson on her first album, uh, You Thought Wrong. And then I co-wrote, uh, I believe, for Fantasia when she won her season of American Idol. It must be nice to be so successful that you can't even keep track of all your successes. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I definitely feel very blessed. (laughs) Uh, Well, Tamira, tell me a little bit about the experience of If Then. Um, Maybe just to describe the show for our listeners first, if you could. Okay. If Then is about a girl named Elizabeth who leaves her marriage of 12 years and decides to move back to New York to pursue her dreams of becoming a city planner. Uh, the day she moves back, she meets me. Uh, I'm her neighbor, and I kind of just insert myself into her life. She tells me about her marriage, um, all this stuff you don't see, and I make it my mission to help her find true love because I believe that there's someone for everyone. And then she also has this friend who was her ex-boyfriend when she was in college who believes that she's come back to do important work, and she's got to make her mark as a city planner. 
Well, in the show, you follow her two parallel lives. What would happen if she takes my route of going to look for love? And what would happen if she takes Lucas's route, played by Anthony Rapp, of becoming a city planner? And in each moment of the show, with whichever choice she is, when she's Liz, she wears glasses. When she's Beth, she has no glasses. So that kind of helps you to follow the track of the show because it can be confusing because one moment she's with, with me and the next moment she's with Beth in a completely different storyline. I mean, Lucas in a completely different storyline. That sounds like a pretty innovative way of telling a story, especially on stage. Has that been done before, to your knowledge? I don't believe it has been done before. Um, it's very, very interesting, and it's very fun. Some of our audience members have been confused, and others have been like, oh, my gosh, this was so great. You know, it's, it's got me thinking about my own life and the choices that I've made. Um, it's a very grown-up show. Tamira, tell me, how has the experience been rehearsing and preparing the show on the stage in Minnesota? Well, rehearsals have been great. Um, I've officially been in the show now for a month. Um, I got three weeks to prepare for it before my opening night in Dallas. And um, I'm looking really forward to Minnesota. I actually haven't been to Minnesota since the American Idol tour. So it's going to be really awesome to be back there and to present the show, um, yeah, to the city. I see from reading up on you a little bit here that you also are a, a wife and mother as well as being a Broadway and songwriting and singing superstar. <laughs> I am, and my kids are actually here with me right now in Chicago. Um, my my kids come out every two weeks, and so it's been fun um, learning how to balance traveling on tour uh, with them. My little one, she's had a little bit of a difficult time, but she's been enjoying the process, and she comes to the theater, and sometimes she sits in my dressing room and and watches a movie while I'm on stage, and, you know, we're all... We're all having a really good time with it. It's a nice way to see the country. Do you have any aspirations beyond this particular show? When when this particular gig is over, what do you have coming next? You know, I don't have. I don't ever plan for next right away. Um, I, I have this saying of I like to go. I like to follow the wind, and where the, wherever the wind is taking me, that's where I'm going. Um, so I don't know what's next. We'll have to see. Well, we'll be watching for it. I'm sure whatever it is, it will be successful and it'll be entertaining. And Tamira, I wish you uh, the best of luck with the show. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for that. That was awesome. More Minnesota Matters after this. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. One of the all-time great wild hockey players was traded out of Minnesota this week when longtime goaltender Nicholas Backstrom was sent to Calgary in an NHL trade. Backstrom was the all-time wins leader for Minnesota. MNN sports correspondent Kevin Falness chatted with the backstop before he headed north. We knew this day was going to come eventually, and it came at the trade deadline. Nicholas Backstrom's time as a member of the Minnesota Wild has officially come to an end, and we get a chance now to officially say goodbye. Uh, Nick, thank you very much for doing this. First of all, has it sunk in yet that you're no longer a member of the Wild organization? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, for sure, yesterday was a weird day and, uh, uh, you know, emotional. Uh, it's been 10 great years. It's been, you know, a great time for me. And uh, so for sure, it, it, it's... Uh, it's getting there, you know. It's uh, for sure going to take time, a lot of new things in a short period of time. And but on the other hand, too, you know, for me, really excited to have this opportunity and uh, have a chance to maybe play some games. So see see how that goes. But uh, you know, it's it's thinking for sure. You know, it's great to see the text from your teammates, staff, people around the, the Twin Cities. You know, it's it's nice to see that and uh, somehow pretty emotional too. But you know, it's part of the game and. Uh, it's been it's been some great times. I, I want to look at the future, but first we we have to look at the past. I, I know it was an awkward end here to the end of your decade in Minnesota, but in all, how will you remember your time wearing that wild uniform and playing at XL Energy Center? For sure, you you played to win, and it's uh, too bad we didn't uh, didn't win the the cup when I was there. But you know, I look at it as a, a really great time of my life uh, of my hockey life and uh, life, life outside hockey. It's a priority. It's something special to play in the state of hockey, play at the XL Energy Center in front of those fans. You know, that's uh, that's something I learned early that take nothing for granted and uh, granted. And uh, I've been enjoying every 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 moment there. And uh, from my first day, even to yesterday, my last day for sure. Last uh, month has been has been different, and uh, you know, I don't want to say difficult, but maybe challenging. But on the other hand, too, like the the people in the office, teammates, uh, trainers, everyone has treated me so well, uh, treated me with such a respect. So it's been, you know, uh, it's been, even if I haven't been playing and there's been a lot of mentally tough days, but I think pretty much with every day to walk into that locker room, it's been, it's been easy to have a smile on, on my face. Remind us again, and I know we've talked about this over the past decade, but for fans that don't know, I mean, the, the typical road to the National Hockey League is not at the age of 28. Here you are, you land in Minnesota out of nowhere for most people. You know, the, the scouts and all probably knew about Nicholas Backstrom, but I think most fans were thinking, who's this guy that's coming in to back up Manny Fernandez? At the age of 28, how did you land in Minnesota back in 2006? Uh, that's probably something you should ask uh, Doug Riceberg and uh, them. And, uh, I don't owe them a lot to believing me and uh, Chuck Lemire to give me a, give me a chance and Bob Mason, you know, just to trust in me and give me a chance to come over here. But I think it's a Finnish scout to motivate and have worked uh, for years in the NHL. And uh, yeah, I think he, he pushed hard to convince people to give me a chance. And uh, you know, that's the only thing I ever asked for for a chance. And, it took a really long time for me to get it, and uh, you know, it, it's not a lot of organizations who would have done it, but Minnesota did to give a 28-year-old goalie a chance and opportunity to come over. So I'm really, really grateful for that, and uh, you know, without that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been in this league. So you know, that's something 
you know, you're never going to forget. Yeah, they rolled the dice, and it uh, certainly worked in favor of the Wild franchise, all-time leader in wins, shutouts, and games played. Again, we're talking to former Wild goaltender Nicholas Backstrom. Still getting used to saying that. Uh, we'll go walking into the Wild locker room today. You always look for the face of Nicholas Backstrom. Whether there was a conversation or not, it was just like one of those things where you knew he was going to be there, and now he's off to the Calgary Flames. Nick, I know this isn't easy to do, but in your time here in Minnesota, do you have a favorite memory of wearing this wild uniform, whether it was a, a trip to the playoffs or a, a moment in time that, that resonates with you that, that, that sticks out? It's, uh, some people have asked me already. It's hard to say one or two moments. It's, it's 10 years. It's been a lot of really great memories. It's like, you know, I enjoyed every time I had, uh, had a chance to put that jersey on, even, even uh, last Friday when it's not just teammates or staff or people who work. It's like uh, going to be friends forever. So it's it's a lot of great things. So it's it would be wrong to try to point one or two two things. I think uh, for sure you, I remember my first game coming in uh, in the middle of the game against Nashville and things like that. But I think it's the uh, the whole the whole ten year ten year like it's been a really great time for me and my for my family and not just at the rink but just outside the rinks too. I really feel like Twin Cities are uh, home to me and uh, all right like really enjoyed living there. Nick, can't uh, thank you enough for doing this. It's been a pleasure working with you for the last uh, decade of my life, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the future, whatever it might hold, and hopefully we see that slow jog around an arena uh, sometime very soon. Thank you, Kevin. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.